Hello again everybody, this is uh, Jason Powers. So today um, we're going to discuss the leak of uh, the SCOTUS uh, uh, lease preliminary decision. Uh, this is um, being uh, bantered around quite, quite heavily on uh, Twitter and other places of course because uh, it was interesting that I came through to Politico um, and they have uh, already weighed in on what they think uh, this decision means or what they're what it's going to mean so we're actually going to look at the decision that was leaked online um, I'm gonna actually I have a, a opinion about what they should actually do about this and what likely will actually be done about this uh, I think those are questions that need to be um, measured equally so We'll go from uh, there in a, just a second. And we're back. So, looking over this decision, um, well, first, so evidently, and I was taking a, uh, a siesta or a nap last night. Um, there's my weak Spanish. So, I wake up and I find out that the, this had been leaked and um, Politico had been the, the source of the, or at least um, published it online and I have republished it. On my own website and I have a link in the description to that so I do uh, qualify this right at the outset so um, I'm gonna go ahead and just read what I wrote real quick hopefully uh, I think that's the easiest way to start and then we'll go from there and we'll go into the decision and uh, some ideas on on um, the uh, other topics of this discussion so within mere hours protesters came to the Supreme Court such groups are not grassroots Rather, they are funded and organized, and they and they were tipped off about all of this. It is an operation, not a spontaneous outcry coming to life. And so there is zero doubt this was done to intimidate and chill the court to reverse this yet-to-be-released decision on Roe. The court, if it has any moral or ethical bindings left, should unanimously release this ruling at 9-0. Those who initially dissented should have the moral integrity to make it clear that such intimidation because of a yet-to-be-released decision will not be tolerated. And 
state openly that their previous dissent was made for their own reasons, but their decision now is to show their authority to decide what with those they disagreed with vigorously on matters of vital public interest should be supported now to reflect the unimpeachability of all their characters. If the dissent decides against this, or even the majority, they are allowing themselves to be mere, uh, merely uh, to be merely at the whims of whatever political blackmail arises. This, they should know, must be stopped. As nine judges, they tell people many things about cases and the law, but now they would be telling us clearly about themselves. What they do next will forever be a mark on their characters. And that's kind of summarizes how I feel about uh, the what they should do about this. Um, obviously, I think, uh, you know, here's the thing. <clears throat> if this had been, say they were going to uphold it, it wouldn't. I, chances are it would have never been leaked. Uh, when I say uphold uh, Roe, and uh, the other uh, other uh, Casey is the other case from like 1992. If they had upheld it, there would have been no need. Nobody would have been. Um, of course, you know the left always lies and says that you know it's always the it's always the right. It's always the right. Of course, it's never the right. It's never. Uh, just uh, just the right, let's just put it that way. Um, both sides play games, um, but there's a larger agenda that's always above them, and we should know what that is, but they play people off each other because that way, you know, people are divided. It's easier to to destroy a republic by just getting people to turn on each other inside the republic and being untrusting and unwilling to compromise or come to some negotiated agreement on how things are supposed to be because there's always been a there's always a fringe element and they go on the left and they go on the right too but uh i would i will substantially uh state that uh the collectivists are far more dangerous than any of the individualists on the on the right if they actually believe in individualism um and the right they there's always been this uh, dichotomy, almost false dichotomy that exists, but it's merely so that we can get people pitted against each other. But I, I believe that there are people that are hardcore leftists that you know they believe in no, they don't believe in God, they don't, they're atheists, um, they believe in collectivism, which they believe, but they don't believe in any rights of any other individual whatsoever. And they usually think that they can make they they should be put in charge to make things decisions. So they're also authoritarians, uh, some way, some flavor, and they always couch their position on they use their use the agenda that oh they care about people. Anytime you care, tell me you care so much about other people. I know there's there's usually a flaw in your uh, flaw in your argument or flaw in your a fly in your ointment. Uh, in terms of what what's going on inside your head, because most people are very self-interested, and so when you try to tell me that you care oh so much about somebody you know, five hundred or a thousand miles away or five thousand miles away, and you care what they have and care what they do, you should always ask them what's in it for them, because um, that's usually the first agenda. This is the reason why people who are highly individual, highly individualistic, piss these people off so much, because they don't want to play, they don't want to dance to their tune. 
that's why they always have to position everything as being uh, this moral argument that they think that they're morally superior. Actually, if you're a collectivist, you're morally um, lack of morals. You don't believe in liberalism. You don't believe in. You really just don't believe in humanity. You believe in yourself, and you believe you're the final arbiter of everything that goes on in the world. But you want to say, "Oh, look at all my other friends. They're so poor and downtrodden. You should be. You should be on our side. You should be on our side." That's why they despise people who think outside their their little ideological box. It's always moving. In other words, they're always moving it around. Now, the reason why I'm going through all this is because um, I think Roe v. Wade is is uh, uh, ties into this, and actually Alito uh, lays out a lot of his thinking inside this. He goes through a history background on on the rights and lack thereof of committing um, what is ostensibly murder against uh, unborn unborn child and how you define it and he goes through the historical backgrounds of how abortion uh, he lays out that he lay he he goes through a very uh long i guess you could say long-winded argument in many people's cases but he he qualifies his statements he talks about the history of it uh but instead i've read through i uh, I, I am i have read through about 33 35 pages of this uh, decision so and it's 98 pages and since it's unreleased we don't know what the final qualifications of this decision would be if it was released <clears throat> but um before we get to that uh, i'm going to read that uh, before i read that in a second uh the next part of this little um situation is uh the idea that the court will probably the court's going to do either Either they're going to stick by the decision that they have here, which will obviously cause you know massive uprisings, and uh, the people that they're that are already on the street are you know like I said are are just they're being organized by people who have have an objective an agenda to destroy this country, and they'll use any issue, and the fact that we have people who are so weak and spineless in our government operation. Um, the only way you, these people are committing crimes, they will commit crimes. Let's just put it that way. Many of these people will commit crimes, and they they justify their criminal behavior based upon their ideology. So, let's just get that straight. They'll always pretend that they're they're doing it for the good of the country, but they're not. They're doing it. They they just like to destroy things. That's the reason why they're out there. Um, they can't create anything on their own, so that's the reason why they destroy things. The court. Now, if they reverse their decision from this pre-draft, in other words, if someone flips so that they can quote-unquote keep the peace, they only do that, but the only reason why they would do that is because they don't think the people who are quote-unquote listed as on the right, who want the sanctity of life, who, uh, uh, you know, they want, uh, they, they're not looking for uh, giving people this idea of choice, uh, or as abortion supporters call themselves. Uh, that they believe in the sanctity of life. They don't believe that these people will actually stand up and protect life. Um, that's the that's only reason why the court always does what they do um, in, in recent years. is just because they, they, they're not a, they, they do not think that the people who typically would, would uh, disagree with the, this kind of uh, 
just the people that would agree with this kind of decision would uh, would get upset if they flip flopped. But we we shall see. The reason why it should be nine zero is is if these people want to show that they can't be intimidated, they should stand as a unified body, irrespective of how they vote on this or any other decision. The idea is is they should use this decision to make it very abundantly clear that they are not to be intimidated by anybody, and they're not supposed to, and that the people who leaked or the person who leaked this uh, this pre-draft inside their body who had access to this particular uh, decision in in the process, <clears throat> they aren't go- they aren't going to win, and they should go out and say so as a group, as one united group, and one united voice. Do I think they'll do that? No, these people are not like that. They're still political animals. Roberts has shown that he is he smacks of nothing but a a hack who's on the he's the chief justice, and he he smacks as somebody who has no. No ability to to actually do what is right when he needs to. I think he's been morally compromised a long time ago, but we'll leave that aside because there's nothing to nothing to be discussed that won't just lead us down a rabbit hole of of innuendo and accusation. But I don't think he'll have the character to do that, and he certainly doesn't have the character to get these people in the. This is what happens when you start uh, uh, doing. Uh, ideological appointments and uh, activism judging instead of actually following the rule of law and actually applying um, logic and reason and historical presence in an accurate way. So to get to that point now, now that I've uh, uh, talked about it a little bit, we'll go into this decision. So I'm going to start on page 30 because I think there's a a little passage here. There's only like a couple pages I can read through real quickly. And and then we'll go from there. So this is from Melito. Instead of seriously pressing the argument that abortion right itself has deep roots, supporters of Roe and Casey contend that the abortion right is an integral part of broad, a broader entrenched right. Roe termed this a right to privacy. 410 U.S. at 154. And Casey described it as freedom to make intimate and personal choices that are central to the personal dignity and autonomy. 505 U.S. at 851. Casey elaborated, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, of the mystery of human life. The court did not claim that that this broadly framed right is absolute, and no such claim would be plausible. While individuals are certainly free to think and to say what they wish about existence, meaning the universe, and mystery of human life, they are not always free to act accordance to that with those thoughts. A license to act on the basis of such beliefs may correspond to one of the many understandings of liberty, but it's certainly not ordered liberty. Okay, and then let me get on to the next page. <clears throat> Ordered liberty sets limits and defines the boundary between competing interests. Roe and Casey each struck a particular balance between the interests of a woman who wants an abortion and the interests of what they termed potential life. Roe, 410 U.S. at 150. Casey, 505 U.S. at 852. 
But the people of various states may evaluate these interests differently. In some states, voters may believe that the abortion right should be more even, more extensive than the right than Ro that Roe and Casey recognized. Voters in other states may wish to impose tight restrictions based on their belief that abortion destroys an unborn human being. Uh, Mississippi Code uh, uh, noted uh, 4141-194-4B, that's the statute. Our nation's historical understanding of ordered liberty does not prevent the people, uh, people's elected representatives from deciding how abortion should be regulated, nor does the right to obtain an abortion have a sound basis and precedent. Casey relied on cases involving the right to marry a, a person of a different race, the right to marry while in prison. I'll, I'll read the cases off, sorry. So the marry a person of a different race, Loving versus Virginia, uh, 1967, the right to marry while in prison, Turner v. Uh, Safley, the right to obtain contraceptives, Griswold v. Connecticut, uh, Einstein v. Baird, uh, Carey v. Population Services International, the right to, res uh, to reside, uh, reside with relatives, Moore v. East Cleveland, Cleveland, the right to make decisions about the education of one's children, Pierce v. Society of Sisters, Meyer uh, v. Nebraska, the right not to be sterilized without consent, Skinner v. Oklahoma, and the right to certain circumstances not to undergo involuntary surgery, forced administration of drugs, or other uh, substantially similar procedures, Winston v. Lee, Washington v. Harper, uh, Rochin v. California. Respondents in the Solicitor General also rely on post-Casey decisions like Lawrence uh, Lawrence v. Texas, right to engage in private consensual sexual acts, and Ober, uh, Obergefell v. Hodges, right to marry a person of the same sex. See brief for Respondents 18, brief for United States as Amicus Curie uh, 23-24. These attempts to justify abortion through appeals to a broader right to autonomy and define one's concept of existence prove too much. KC 505. Those criteria at a high level of generality could license fundamental rights to illicit drug use, prostitution, and the like. See, Compassion and Dying versus Washington. Uh, that would be uh, probably tied to Kevorkian, Dr. Kevorkian at the time. O'Scanlan dissenting from the denial rehearing in Bank. None of these rights has any claim to being deeply rooted in history. With sharply distinguishes the abortion right from the right uh, from the rights recognized in cases on which Roe and Casey rely is something that both decisions acknowledge. Abortion destroys what those what those decisions call potential life, and what the law at issue is, in this case regards as life of the unborn human being. None of the other decisions cited by Roe and Casey involve the critical moral question posed by abortion. They're, they are therefore in apostate. They do not support the right to obtain an abortion, and by the same token, our conclusion that the Constitution does not confer such a right does not undermine them in any way. In drawing this critical distinction between the abortion rights and other rights, it is not necessary to dispute Casey's claim, which we accept for the sake of argument, that the specific practices of a state at the time of adoption of the 14th Amendment do not mark the outer limits of the substantive sphere of liberty which the 14th Amendment protects. 
Abortion is nothing new. It has been addressed by lawmakers for centuries, and the fundamental moral question that it poses is ageless. Defenders of Roe and Casey do not claim that any new scientific learning calls for a different answer to the underlying moral question, but they do contend that changes in society require the recognition of a constitutional right to obtain an abortion. Without the availability of abortion, they maintain, people will, inhi will be inhibited from exercising their freedom to choose the type of relationships they desire, and women will be unable to compete with men in workplace and other endeavors. Americans who believe that abortion should be restricted, uh, uh, restricted press countervailing arguments about the modern developments. They note that the attitudes about pregnancy of unmarried women have changed drastically. The federal and state laws ban discrimination of, on the basis of pregnancy. The leave for pregnancy and childbirth are now guaranteed by many laws in many cases. That the cost of medical care associated with pregnancy are covered by insurance or governmental assistance. That states have increased, increasingly adopted safe haven laws, which generally allow women to drop off babies anonymously. And that women put who, and that a woman who puts her newborn up for adoption today has little reason to fear that the baby will not find a suitable home. They also claim that many people now have a new appreciation of fetal life, and that when prospective parents who want to have children view a sonogram, they typically have no doubt that they want, they want to see, see is their daughter or, or son. Both sides make important policy arguments, but supporters of Roe and Casey must show that this court has the authority to weigh those arguments and decide how abortions may be regulated in the states. They have failed to make that showing, and thus return the power to, the, uh, to weigh uh, those arguments to the people and their elected representatives. So, yeah, every state would uh, still be uh, able to do this. So, I'm going to read this final section, uh, section three. Uh, I'll read part of it. It's about uh, stare decisis. We next consider whether the doctrine of stare decisis counsels continues acceptance of Roe and Casey. Stare decisis. Uh, plays an important role in our case law, and we have explained that it serves many valuable ends. It protects the interests of those who have taken action in reliance on the past decision. See Casey, plurality appearance, see Payne versus Tennessee. It reduces incentives for challenging settled precedents, saving parties and courts the expense of endless relitigation. It fosters even-handed decision-making by requiring that like cases be decided in a like manner. It contributes to the actual and perceived integrity of the judicial process. It restrains judicial hubris and reminds us to respect the judgment of those who have grappled with these important questions in the past. Preston's way of accumulating and passing down the learning of past generations, a font of established wisdom richer than what can be found in any single judge or panel of judges. Okay. We have long recognized, however, that stare decisis is not an, an inexorable command. Um, in, okay, Pearson v. Callahan, internal quotation marks in the citation, is the weakest, it, it, it is, and it is at its weakest when we interpret the Constitution. It has been said that it's sometimes more important that an issue be settled than it be settled right. Okay, but when it comes to the interpretation of the Constitution, the great charter of our liberties, which was meant to endure through a long lap, uh, through a long lapse of ages. We place a high value on having the matter settled right, correct. 
In addition, when one of our constitutional decisions goes astray, the country is usually stuck with a bad decision until we correct our own mistake. Erroneous constitutional decision can be fixed by amending the Constitution, but our Constitution is notoriously hard to amend. Therefore, it's appropriate in appropriate circumstances, we must be willing to reconsider, if necessary, to overrule constitutional decisions. Some of our most important constitutional decisions have been overruled uh, prior presence. We mentioned three. In Brown v. Board of Education, the court repudiated the separation but equal doctrine, which had allowed states to maintain racially segregated schools and other facilities. And that was in 1954. In doing so, the court overruled the infamous decision in Plessy v. Ferguson, 1896, along with six other Supreme Court presidents that had applied the separate but equal rule. In West Coast uh, Hotel v. Parrish in 1937, the court overruled Atkins v. Children's Hospitals of D.C. 1923, which had held that a law setting minimum wages for women violated the liberty protected by the Fifth Amendment's due process clause. West Coast Hotel signaled the demise of an entire line of important presidents that had protected an individuals' liberty, uh, liberty right against state and federal health welfare reg- uh, legislation. In Lochner v. New York, uh, holding invalidated law setting minimum, maximum working hours. Um, these are all tied together. Uh, Copanage uh, v. Kansas, holding invalidated law banning contracts forbidding employees to join a union. J. Burns Baking Company v. Bryan, holding invalid laws fixing the, the weight of loaves of bread. Finally, in West Virginia Board of Education v. Barnett, in 1943, after a lapse of only three years, the court overruled Minersville School District versus uh, Gabatis, uh, 1940, and held that the public school students could not be compelled to salute the flag in violation of their sincere beliefs. Barnett stands out because nothing had, had changed during the intervening period other than the court's uh, belated recognition that its earlier decision had been seriously wrong. So they just... That just gives an example that you can overturn uh, such decisions. There's also, um, there was one done about uh, the federal baseball. In baseball, they did the same thing um, um, when we, uh, it was like 1922-23. They always, uh, I forget who the judge was, but he set up this, uh, it was about interstate, managing interstate commerce and the ability, you know, he, he, Anyway, what he, what he was saying here basically is that you can overturn uh, you can overturn cases and the time and the time that lapses between the the knowing you decided something wrong doesn't have to be you know it can be a hundred years it can be fifty years it can be three years you can acknowledge your mistake you can acknowledge a mistake at any portion of time any portion of time along the way. And that's true. We all should be able to acknowledge our mistakes of judgment, um, <clears throat> especially when it comes to something like this, which has been a lightning rod for the last, well, last 50 years. Um, Roe, v., uh, Roe v. Wade was decided in, I think, late 1972, the year of my birth. Um, so I can understand, um, you know, kind of this has been, this has been ongoing for a long time. Um, he actually, in this decision, he goes through the history of abortion laws and uh, what he called the quickening, which is 
the determination of when a fetus was alive back in the day, you know, the kicking, which is called the quickening at that time. You got to realize terms and method, uh, terms evolve over time just due to the fact that more knowledge is accumulated and the knowledge that was accumulated in the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th and 20th century is going to be substantially uh, based upon uh, the best way to uh, come up with a term that uh, identifies what's going on, you know. So, and he goes through the progression of what it, uh, what it, uh, what defines a, a baby and its uh, a trek to becoming a human being and the amount of time it takes. Uh, this has been known for quite a long time. He talks about the fact that uh, some have laid the argument that, uh, you know, and he makes, actually, I want to read this part because it's quite intelling of uh, a lot of things that have been going on. So when it comes to, uh, you talk about racial discrimination and, and the usage of uh, abortion for nefarious purposes, he quotes, uh, this is note 41. Other amicus briefs present arguments about the motives of proponents of liberal access to abortion. They note that some su such supporters have been motivated by a desire to suppress the size of the African-American population. See brief for amicus curiae, African-American, Hispanic, Roman Catholic, and Protestant religious and civil rights organizations and leaders supporting petitions 14 through 21. See also Box versus Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky. Uh, from 2019 and so and it's beyond dispute that Roe has had that demographic effect a highly disproportionate percentage of aborted fetuses are black Center for Disease Control Abortion Surveillance this was from 2019 they did 70 surveillance summaries for our part we do not question the motives of either of those who have supported and those who have opposed laws restricting abort abortions he so in other words he doesn't take a position but it is imperative there was a statistic about the new york city that they had more more abortions of black babies than they did births of black babies in that in that in that particular city so this is a matter of life and what i call life liberty the pursuit and the pursuit of happiness. So we know life, you know, life begins at conception. As a matter of fact, if you're thinking about your own uh, birth, um, say my birthday was August of 1972, uh, my conception happened in 1971. The exact date, who knows? The reason why we use the the actual time when you come out of the, you know, come out of the birth canal and and and, and you were actually kicking and screaming upon your birth uh you know it's a it's a it's a definable moment but your conception in the, in the moment of your procreation uh is when you were born uh that's that that is when you're given the genetic material which will uh at least get you uh into this world and then from there your genetic material is going to be fueled by the food and the resources that are provided to you the the things that come into your body but you have you started with a genetic uh, uh template um that genetic template had skills inside of it uh, uh aversions to certain things uh strengths to certain things it's it's the the basis of all human life 
there's been many people who have set set forth that they need to manipulate this uh, and that's becoming more and more a question of what's going on in our world uh, at a higher level um, beyond uh, this is what scientists have been uh, trying to make their head headway into since they're so incapable of actually solving any real problems they want to they want to take every every human being apart and tinker with them and make them into something that they probably shouldn't they sh they want to tinker with people because they think they understand enough we only have the genetic uh, the, the DNA genome we only mapped it out or initially mapped it out I think in the 1998 or at least in the late 1990s so we're talking about a matter of about 25 years and now these people want to play God with this. And I say literally, they want to play God. They want they think from 25 years of their expertise in exploring this field, they think they've uh, uh, they've amassed enough knowledge to uh, to try to uh, genetically modify and manipulate all humanity. And seriously, that's where they're going with this. Um, they've made no no bones about it that they can do these things. Uh, uh, they. <laughs> There's plenty of people in this field that will tell you that. They make presentations, for example, at Purdue University, which is another link I left in the description. You should read it. It's a, 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 not only read it, but also there's a link to this YouTube. And you can listen to this uh, a professor uh, who works at MIT and other professors that are glad to, to take apart a human being and say, you know, we can manipulate IQ and we can manipulate If we catch you at the right time, we can make these uh, d changes in who you are. So when we talk about life, uh, the idea is that life is created by God. And it's very difficult for certain people out there to know what the, know, know this because they have a very little, they have very little use for God. They're, uh, they think God, and they think they think that people who believe in God, they think they attribute some very, they have a very dismissive and, and almost uh, negligent understanding of of what these people believe about God, and everybody's personal belief about God is going to be their own unique. Uh, it's going to become a, come at from an angle that is personal to them. So this is what my personal belief is about God. God is infinitely complex. And infinitely simple. God is infinitely ordered and infinitely chaotic. God is beyond the understanding of man and that accessible to every man. God is never never too busy for us. Man, though, is always too busy playing God. And that's exactly the way I feel about it. Um, I think we have people who are incapable of tinkering with things they don't understand to the highest level. They think they do, and a lot of these people have what I contend are sociopathic and psychopathic tendencies uh, because they don't really care about anything but themselves, and they put themselves on a on a, on a plane that, that makes them think that they can make all these. They're, 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 they're mortal people who want to believe that they can become immortal. They're people that think they should control everything, around them they're highly highly controlling and manipulative and these are characteristics that kind of run uh, a smack up against uh, actually their freedom whether they should be allotted those freedoms because they are causing chaos and destruction to this country 
in this world through their um, their obsessive need to uh, garner more and more and more power to themselves, irrespective of anyone else's wishes. This is one, and they use every manipulative tactic available in their in their arsenal to get that. Once they've achieved a little bit of power, God help us all because they seem to keep on, keep on, they're just constantly grabbing and seizing power to themselves. Um, and many people are just too unaware of their manipulations. And yes, that's why I, I think I feel the way I feel about a lot of things. So the next thing, you know, when we talk about life, you know, like I said, the conception it's precious. It should be protected. Um, in private, you know, the idea of uh, life, you know, it should be based upon all of our values. Our value systems are going to differ in many cases. But I think it's very obvious that we should all value our offspring, our progeny, our, and we should value our ancestors. We should value our being and we should we should do our best to make sure others especially the ones that we are closely related to our sons and daughters or being sons and daughters we should try to uh, live up uh, to the expectations that we should care for life and hold it sacred it's very difficult I realize that many of us have made mistakes many of us don't come to this at the same angle at the same time uh, this is just where I'm at right now there was a time in my past when I was very dismissive of this. I erred. I am wrong. I was wrong. So to admit that, you know, it doesn't make me anything any different. But the ability to admit that you made mistakes in your past should allow you to go forward and try to improve upon them. Uh, I know many people have a lack of ability to admit that they're wrong about things, especially people who are hardened political, ideologically pe people who don't seem to have any moral standard that they won't break. Um, and worse, it, worse yet is if the older they get, if they continue to do that, it tells me that they they are stuck in a they are stuck in a level of thinking that will never change, and it's very dangerous. Though I don't like this guy in particular, I'm going to write, I mean, when I say in particular, I, I, when I say that, I just say he, he's wishy-washy, but I'll, I'll read his tweets because he is a lawyer, a lawyer, he is a teacher. His name is Jonathan Turley. He was at the testimony of uh, uh, the first impeachment trial of uh, Trump. So... He, two tweets. Dobbs was always the blockbuster decision of this term. This leak, uh, this leak with uh, causing lasting damage to the co uh, court, which has also relied on the integrity of members and clerks to preserve institutional secrecy and integrity. So integrity is highlighted there. Second tweet. The fact that some are praising this leak shows how utterly craven we've become in our politics. There appears no ethical rule or institutional interest that can't can withstand this age of rage. So yeah, yeah right. The age of rage. Uh, we could probably go into a lot of things there, um, but 
I think the thing is, is uh, yeah, the the idea is that to that uh, our institutions are being well, they're being subverted, and they have been subverted uh, by interior and outside outside forces. Uh, this is a coalescence of uh, nefarious actors who are trying to sabotage and take over the United States of America, and we have, frankly, little or no leadership whatsoever in Washington DC you know we have a despicable human being who happens to be present and yes I know there's many people out there who think the last guy was just as despicable despicable but guess what and I'm having a hard time talking but it's five o'clock in the morning that being said that last guy is not in he's not in charge he does not command the military Whereas the guy that's currently there is uh, in charge or should be in charge. But instead he's got probably five hands up his ass and he's being puppeteered by uh, all kinds of forces, including foreign actors, which is basically, in, in, in no uncertain terms, treason. Uh, if he's doing things to hijack the United States to keep himself out of trouble because he's... Uh, uh, compromised by his son's actions and by his own actions um, one should look into that but of course we have people that don't seem to to grasp that that massive uh, idea they don't seem to grasp that the people that they think are so wonderful in Washington D.C. who sit around at correspondent dinners and you know laugh at them which they did just recently these people are institutionally bankrupt as, in terms of their in terms of their principles and ethics. They have no standards that they won't. They they expect everybody out here to live up to some some unreasonable expectation that we're supposed to be like sheep and just shut up and pay taxes and leave them alone while they rob the bank and and, and look down their noses at us and tell us that uh, you know we haven't been good enough stewards to society or to our climate or anything which is all just a hustle for them but it's more versus a deflection from their own craven aspirations to just seek power for power's sake and leave the rest of us in a in a twisting in the wind so there's my soapbox rant there um i think uh the next thing i want to go through is liberty so our our friend um, who wrote this, Alito, uh, he talked about liberty and he talked about, he cited early, um, he cited that there's been substantial amounts of uh, um, ideas posited about uh, liberty and how much of it exists and how many, how many ways it's been uh, defined uh, throughout history by people to say what liberty is and what liberty is not. You know, liberty has, you know, you know, I think one thing about liberty is, is the, 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 the choices that we make have to be made with a, uh, with a, uh, sense of responsibility to them. See, people seem to think liberty should be just, you know, oh, whatever, you know, whatever I feel like doing, uh, you know, you know, as long as it's not, you know doesn't seem to overtly hurt anybody that's liberty i have total freedom to do what i want 
well, your freedom, you know, the freedom to be, you know, bankrupt or the freedom to do these things that, you know, seem to be um, more and more being uh, pushed by our, our Washington, D.C. class is, is kind of indicative of, of where we're heading because they don't, they don't care about uh, responsibility. I, one of the that was one of the tweets I did earlier today when people talk about you know the student loan debt that's an example with Liberty you know people make contracts and make decisions I've made them I'm paying the price for my decisions or I will pay the price for my decisions I think everybody should uh, be willing to accept that there are going to be times when they're going the, the chickens are going to come home to roost and they're going to have to deal with it now, in terms of what that means in regards to abortion and, and the and women in particular who do have the babies, not the men, <laughs> which is another, there's a whole other different um, uh, issue to be discussed, but that's being pushed lately. So the idea that uh, women are, are, uh, are uh, hamstrung by having uh, children it goes back to how did they, how did they come about having a child? Uh, child, you know, the force and obviously rape is obviously just absolutely a terrible and you know should be avoided circumstance at all costs. If we can, if we can eliminate that from our society, yeah, not only just the United States but the world at large. So much of this is obviously what you can control within the, the United States of America. Uh, the left loves to ex to overly expand to the boundaries of incredulity on any any situation, because if they make it big enough, or they focus on a mind, either make it too big, they never size it in relationship to what the situation is. So uh, the idea that uh, uh, there's this massive problem with rape with regards to having children is false and many women will of course if they can they will do what they can to get out of a situation that they don't want to be in and of course giving them the opportunity to just seize upon the ability to have abortion on demand and some women are very proud of this I mean we've I've seen the examples of women said oh I've had x amount of abortions it's like they really think that that's you know it's 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 almost difficult for me to, to understand that. Okay, there is ways contra, contraceptives out there that would allow for the non procreation, but the fact that people will say, "Well, I don't want to use that," or that's costly too. It's like okay, so you're willing to just explore these random sexual encounters. And of course it has to be. They can't tell me that they just keep on going back and getting raped. That's not the that's not what's happening. They're using they're just using that as an excuse to just be irresponsible, totally irresponsible. And they want society to pick up the cost for all their irresponsibility. That should tell you something about their mentality. Uh, there's a certain section of people that are like this that do this because they're sociopathic. Once again, they have psychological issues, personality disorders that uh, allow them to just say, hmm, I don't care what it what it costs, I, I want to cause problems. And people are like, oh, there's not enough of them. Oh, yeah, there's about 1% to 4% of the, our society 
that go around and they're sociopathic. So you're talking about, you know, upwards of three to 10 million people. Well, uh, half of them or more than half of them, or uh, I would say women, if we say that they're equal, some people think that, you know, it's just all men. Now, I would say there's quite a few women that fall into that category. Um, I think we just recently saw Amber Heard uh, be outed as one of them by a, a psychologist. So, you know, anyway, what we're going with there is the fact is there are people that just want to be totally irresponsible and will slough that off over and over again. And they're using you know, using abortion as a tool to be both a victim and an easy access way for them to uh, disregard their responsibilities in life. And when it comes to, and they do, they do that because they, they, they're basically, they, they say, well, you're interfering with my ability to seek freedom. Okay. Well, no, that's not what's going on at all. Uh, you're just, you're just, uh, just want, you want what you want and irrespective of who you hurt in particular, when in this case you're hurting life, life itself, but that's okay because you, you think that that's a, that's a trade-off you'll you'll easily make all day because in your case, you know you don't see things the way other people do. So lastly, uh, we talk about pursuit of happiness or pursuit the pursuits. So uh, so often it's always generalized as follow your bliss. Well, everything comes with boundaries, and uh, let's just say Alito makes uh, makes a much better and compelling case than I, I am making right now, but. The idea is is that you know there should be a pursuit for excellence. In other words, what you're trying to pursue should be something that's you know uh, about mastery and excellence and, and creating something of creating something of use and purposeful should be a purposeful idea. You know it should be based in ethics. You know it should be a, a moral good from it, or certainly a when we're talking about the trade-offs here, it should be something that should be morally more should be based in a moral good, where everything where people are attracted to it naturally because it it not only fulfills a desire to be attached to something that's morally good and ethical and excellent and mastery, but it also should have a, 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 an attraction that people want to get involved with what you're doing. In other words, as an individual, if you're working on your pursuit of happiness it should allow other people to be attracted to your happiness because it makes them happy and they want to they want to help or assist in that and then it's up to you to make the judgment of whether you should be a uh, uh, allowing them to come into that situation and it should come without you being able to your uh, your pursuit of happiness should not be at the manipulation of others um, you should have a ability to achieve that end Without any, with with nearly near, near, dare I say, no help, or if people come along, they come along uh, of their own volition and not your, you know, constantly badgering and manipulating them to achieve that with you, uh, which is what many of these or uh, emotional blackmail, which is what many of the these so-called thought leaders nowadays are using. Uh, on people using manipulation on climate change and it shouldn't be they always use manipulation of oh look at all this it's going to be doom and gloom so therefore you should come along with what I have to say because I have lots of money and I'll 
I'll, uh, I'll put you in a position. These activists are being paid off to go out and do these these uh, sociopaths bid, bidding, you know. And of course, that pers- that that's their pursuit of happiness. The the sociopath, they're using the they're using their their tools of exploitation and using money to uh, to pull up the heartstrings of gullible people that are willing who want to be a part of something, but they don't have enough. Uh, they don't have enough independence of thinking and critical thinking to understand that if they wanted to achieve environmental improvement, they could do most of that themselves. If most people worked on their own environment, you know, reduced their usage of things or downsized or had a uh, compact way of doing things or thought of things that logically make sense, we wouldn't have nearly as many of these problems and issues at a personal level, at a company or governmental level our biggest problem is is that we need to put people in charge that actually have a uh have our best interests at heart instead of their own which i mean i understand that we're all self-interested but when you're in a position of of uh being a representative of the people a representative of hundreds of thousand people it's not just a representing the, that district that you're serving it's also about stewarding uh, the idea that the country or country that you're a part of as a whole should come together and, and work cohesively. The people that were supposed to be put in charge of things in Congress or uh, were supposed to to make very limited changes and limited uh, uh, limited appropriations towards funding certain ideas. They were supposed to supposed to allow private markets to work, and then also supposed to regulate them so that they don't become too too much of a, a power center where they are being disruptive to the area that they're involved in. With the transnational organizations that kind of exist, and this is getting off the topic of of uh, the abortion right. The idea here is that you know the pursuit of happiness inside of that. Um, you know, needs to be weighed out. So, from a from the health st- health standpoint of this, this pursuit of happiness. Okay, many women feel like they're being hamstrung by having to have a child. Uh, it doesn't allow them to pursue their 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 best life, as they would like to say, it, their best uh, uh, criteria. I I would I, I stand a reason. I I would I would disagree with that. Because I think there's there's many a woman who has been able to k- carry on and have a good life, or even a life that's even more more fulfilling through having a kid. I say my mom had that opportunity. My mom wasn't a you know a, a, a rock star at 20 years old. She got out of the service. She had me, and uh, you know she ran her own business. I mean, she sought things that made her happy in her life. She was never well off. <laughs> she never had any. She never owned a, a brand new car in her entire life. And yet, there are women out here that are absolutely given all kinds of uh, support and money, and uh, given all kinds of scholarships, and can 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 seek all kinds of uh, of of. Uh, you know, redeeming and pursuit of happiness, and yet they're unhappy. And then you find out that a lot of their unhappiness uh, 
stems from their in or the, either their inability or un or un, undesirable un, uh, non desire to have children. And if they had had children at an earlier age, they would be a much more um, fulfilled person. I know in, even in my own situation, I would be a much more fulfilled person if I had a progeny. I didn't get to make that decision. I don't have children. I mean, I don't have children. Uh, I didn't father any children. And I, I know that for a fact. Uh, uh, that that uh, there's a people out there who, uh, you know, should be very thankful for the ability to procreate and find somebody who wants to procreate with them. And the lack that lack of uh, people that are willing to go out here and do these sorts of things, you know, do these things as life affirming and, and, and life uh, prolonging because, you know, your ideas and your, your thoughts and your ability to raise a child and, and instilling them good values is, is priceless because, I mean, humanity exists uh, to build upon itself, but we should be doing it in a way that actually affirms, you know, a God, uh, a life. It should affirm uh, our freedoms of uh, expression or, you know, the ability to think these things. And like um, like Alito wrote out he, he discussed uh, the idea that you know there's there's boundaries to everything and that is correct there's limitations um, I wrote that in my own piece too we should be thankful for limitations and and not uh, not being so uh, uh, you know uh, pissed off when we don't reach those inability anyways um, I might close out here uh, I think I've uh, expounded on this enough and probably took it took too long to get to what I wanted to say um, I think our our society will uh, only uh, only grow if and grow prosperous if we finally realize that that we, that we are being conned and manipulated by people that have no good good end for us and we need to fix that, and we need to uh, we need to do that immediately. We need to know the, who the forces are against us, and start trying to uh, work hard to to identify and then remove their their uh, their grasp and hold and their tentacles from our government. We're in very, we're in a very dangerous position, and it's not being caused by, you know, some guy down in Florida that smacks a golf ball. To the people out there that think that way, I don't know what to tell you. It isn't that you're being undermined by people who, you know, get on TV or people who call themselves doctors and or heads of agencies. And, and come out and uh, talk to you and tell you that you know there's no such the inflation is transitory or, or the supply chain thing is your fault. The the, the blame shifts are, are are very easy to see, and those blame shifts are, are so that these people don't have to take any responsibility for their actions. They want to make you they want to make you the the problem, and not in, instead of seeing it through their seeing themselves as the issue which they are. 
anyways, I hope everybody uh, tries to have a good uh, day ahead. I want to say God bless the United States of America. God save the world. And, uh, God save the... Uh, God, God save the SCOTUS. And make sure that they uh, go ahead ethically.